We're going to go to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. The book of Revelation is uh, it's so powerful because the Lord was speaking to John in such an incredible way, but everything that the Lord showed John was for the purpose of showing the church who Jesus was. He said, everything that I show you, I want you to write it down. And I want you to tell my church. And while we can certainly look through all the mysteries that are in the book of Revelation, and my, are there many, I want you to know that the real, the real treasure of the book of Revelation is not what's missing, what's hidden, but what's revealed. And the power of that book is that he said, even with all the problems that are in the church, he said, I looked right in the middle of the church, in the midst of the seven candlesticks that represent the seven churches. He said, and there he stood, right in the middle of them. Then he goes on to tell about their problems, their trials, their issues. But what the Lord was showing John is that even in the middle of a bunch of people who can't seem to get it right all the time, I'm standing right in the middle of them. I'm thankful tonight my imperfections haven't scared him off yet. Praise God. Thank the Lord. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 2. And uh, this is a day of love for most folks. Um. Seemed like everywhere I looked today, somebody was wearing pink, red. Maybe somebody's been nice to somebody that's usually not nice to. I don't know. I, uh, I pulled off the exit tonight and met my family for dinner. My wife came in smiling real big, brought me some chocolates and a card. And I'm thankful for that. Thank the Lord for my Valentine tonight. I love my wife. Thank God for her. She's such a blessing to my life. She's a blessing to this church. And uh, I can't brag on her enough tonight. I thank the Lord for her burden for this church, especially her burden for your children, your grandchildren. And uh, she flew home specifically just to be here with our students this week, and I thank the Lord for her, her burden. Amen. Revelation chapter 2, if you're there, say amen. amen. Let's begin at verse number 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand. Watch this. Who walks in the middle. See it? Of the seven golden candlesticks. He said, I know thy works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know the things that you cannot bear. Them which are evil, thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. You found them to be liars. And hast borne and hast patience. And for my name's sake, you have labored and you have not 
fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You have left your first love. He said, remember therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I'm going to come to you quickly. And I'm going to remove the candlestick out of its place, except you repent. Now, for a lot of folks that read this quickly, it appears as though that it's judgment. He's saying, if you don't do what I tell you I'm going to do, I'm going to judge you and remove your candlestick. But I'm going to tell you what I read in between the lines of these verses tonight is some of the most beautiful mercy you've ever seen in your life. Because he said, you don't have to lose your candlestick. You don't have to lose it all. Because I'm letting you know tonight there's room to come back. And I'm hungry tonight for something that is so rich and pure and powerful. And that is the pure love that we had for him before we knew everything he could offer us. I spend my life, my prayer time right now Seems like so many days of the week saying, Lord, I need more anointing. I need more unction. I need a word for your people. I need strength in my body. I need protection as I travel. But today the Lord began to deal with me and he said, do you remember when you were a little boy and you'd just weep and you would cry? You didn't ask me for anything. You just wanted me. Tonight, with the help of the Lord, I'm going to talk to you from this subject. Take me back. Take me back. Let's sing it together tonight. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place, the place where I first where I first received. Oh yeah, take me back. I want to go back. Take me back, dear Lord, where I, where I first believed. Take me back. Oh, take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back, take, take me back. Would you make that a prayer tonight? Take me back, dear Lord, where I first believe. Lift your voice and sing it one more time. Take me back. Take me back. Lord, I want to go back. Take me back, dear Lord. To the place. To the place where I I first received you. Take me back. I want to go back. Take me back, Where I first believe. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother Shaw, for helping me tonight. Take me back. 
It's going to seem like I'm moving a little slow tonight at first. But there is such a hunger in my heart tonight for the things of God. There's such a hunger in me tonight for the deep things of God. And I want the deep things of God. I want the deep revelations and I want all the signs, miracles, wonders that I can have. I want all the growth that I can have. But do you ever feel like in your pursuit for more that sometimes maybe we forget the most powerful moments in our lives? It's like we get so busy trying to find more that we forget what it felt like when all we wanted was Him. It's him. God's been good to me. He's healed my body. He's healed my family. He's protected my children. I don't know how many, maybe millions of miles I've traveled in my life. And God's been good to me. He's kept his hand on us. and We've been suspended out over water in airplanes for hundreds of hours at a time driven hundreds of thousands of miles up and down the interstate, God's kept his hand on us. But sometimes I get so busy asking him for things that there's a longing in me that nothing else he could provide for me would satisfy that longing in me except for simply more of him. More of him. I was driving today and I came on Highway 67 up through Donovan, Missouri. And as I came to, I guess, what would be considered the east side of that as it turns and comes back towards I-57, I saw a sign that pointed towards the north and the exit said, Puxico. I remember at the age of five years old, my family had sold out everything they had. My mother walked away from a nursing career as a registered nurse. My dad had a five state, six, five or six state sales territory working for Dovey Corporation, a corrugated box company. They made, they made the equipment that makes boxes and they were doing well. They had just bought their first brand new Pontiac 6000. We had three vehicles sitting in the driveway. Beautiful little home. That home's on the market today. If I had the money, I'd buy it just so I could own it. Because it was in that house that the Lord appeared to me and did a miracle in my life. Healed my body. Four years of age walked into that room, put his hand on my chest and healed me in the middle of the night. I'm living proof that he lives. I'm living proof that he lives. And I'll never forget my mother and dad telling my grandparents that we were leaving, that we were going to travel, try the Lord. Brother Bingham asked my dad, he said, well, son, what do you got booked? He said, I got two weeks. 
two weeks. Just quit our jobs, sold our house. I remember the night my Aunt Teresa and Uncle Bill were sitting in the living room of our home. They were buying it. I'm here from New York. We're buying our home. He said, what do you got scheduled? He said, I got two weeks. Going to preach for Larry White. We didn't have a trailer yet, so he called Brother Shorty Mayo, who had a trailer, and he said, could we rent your trailer? It was an old Terry fifth wheel that had a leaking roof in it. My dad and I got on a plane, flew to Chicago, Illinois, and picked up a 1979 F-250. Chocolate brown and white two-tone paint. We drove that truck home from Chicago, Illinois, came back to Anderson, hooked up to a Terry travel trailer with a leaking roof. I'll never forget the day. As we pulled out of the neighborhood, I saw my Papa Bingham standing in the front yard doing everything he could to be a man because he was heartbroken. I lived right around the corner from my granddad on Alliance Road. And in the backyard, we had the meanest bucking bronco you'd ever seen in your life. It was really a propane tank. <laughs> but I killed the rodeo on that thing. And I could look up the street towards... Main Street, and I would see my granddad coming up the road, and so I would jump off my horse. By the time he came around the corner, right over by where Brother Boaz lives, I'd see my granddad come around the corner, and I'd take off running to the front yard. He'd stop the car right in the middle of the street, because Bishop always cared about what people thought. He'd stop right in the middle of Alliance Road, and I'd say, Peppa, what are you doing? He'd say, oh, son, I'm just going to run. What are you doing? I said, Peppa, can I go with you? He'd say, yeah, go tell your mama. And I'd run in the house, and I'd say, Mama, Peppa wants me to go with him. <laughs> She'd say, all right, go on. I got in the car, and I watched my granddad stand out in the front yard because his bucking bronco riding buddy was leaving. We got in that extended cab truck. It wasn't no four-door truck. I put my little face up in that window. And I watched my granddad disappear. We went for two weeks revival. Preached in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And for the next five years, my dad never missed a single week of revival. Never called anybody, never sent a letter. And 350 nights a year, we'd be in church. My daddy took us to this little old town called Puxico, Missouri. There was a man pastoring there. Boy, I could tell you stories about Puxico. But I remember that was some of the craziest green and blue carpet in that church. It was green and blue shag. We broke out in revival. We had devil-possessed people puking up devils. We had people bawling, squalling, dancing, shouting, kicking, fighting and winning. And my daddy got to preaching one night. They had an old white piano up there on the platform. 
grand piano. While my mother was playing for altar call, my dad had gave the altar call and I went up, Brother Snow, in that little country church in Puxico, Missouri, and I stretched myself out. Prostrate before the Lord. And I just remember laying on that green and blue carpet with the piano playing over my head. And I remember tears beginning to flow out of my eyes. I began to speak in a heavenly language. God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I drove by that sign today. I said, Lord, I'd give anything if I could turn this car and I could go find that little building and I could lay myself out on that carpet and just feel your touch. God's done big things. I've seen hundreds of people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've seen the blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears hear. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen the dead raised three times in my life. But I'm going to tell you what I miss. I miss that green and blue carpet. I miss the old brown carpet in the old sanctuary next door. I remember four years old. That was some of the mustiest smelling carpet. I honest to God didn't know if the Lord was about to come or what when my granddad finally got burgundy carpet. I remember John Bear and his family laying that carpet. But I'd crawl on Thursday nights. Right about the place where my office door is right now. Where Sister Bingham prayed every Thursday night. And I'd lay my head down in her lap. She'd recognize that I was there, but she'd never miss a beat. She'd sit Indian style, just as neat and tucked in as you could imagine. With a Kleenex in her left hand and her right hand raised towards heaven. And I'd lay in her lap and she'd pray, God, touch the people in this church. God, touch the families in this church. God, be with our kids. God touched Jane's kids, I remember it. God touched Mike. Bring Mike James back to the house of the Lord. Touch Mark Looper. God reached down and touched Doug Looper. I'll never forget laying there. I've seen a lot of things, been a lot of places. Sometimes I miss those Thursday nights. I'd stand up from her lap and I'd look over and there'd be my granddad with a handkerchief over his mouth. I remember it as clear as I ever heard it. He'd walk with that hanky over his mouth. Brother McLean, he'd say, oh. He'd start groaning. 
And I'd go sit up on the front row by Brother Mirth for a minute. He'd open up his mouth and he'd get to praying. He was as strange, as odd as a $3 bill. He'd get to praying, I love you. I need you. Without you, I am nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I'd get over on the front, over there on the other side from Sister Bingham. And Brother Robert Gill would be stretched out there, Sister Joyce, every week. He'd stretch out his little old voice. You couldn't hardly hear him. He didn't have a loud voice. But he'd lay up there in that high-pitched voice, and he'd speak another tongue. And he'd pray, and he'd seek after God. I'm going to tell you, church, I've prayed for a lot of things in my life. I've prayed that God would give us growth. Look at this church. I want you to look around this room tonight. We are so blessed. I never dreamed. I never dreamed for a thousand years that God would let me pastor a church like this. Never dreamed that we'd have PCA. I never dreamed that some of you precious people would come here, leave jobs, move here, settle here. But I'm going to tell you, I don't care if this church runs 5,000. I don't ever want to leave my first love. I don't care where we go from here. I hope it's big. And I hope God fulfills every dream that we've ever had. But if we ever get so far away, I'll never forget the night after hearing him prayed for for years. I'll never forget the night that he walked in in bib overalls and a big beard and looked like an Amish man. Mark Looper walked down that door, squeaked on the old floppy doors we had. And here he came down the middle aisle walking just like he walks right now. A little younger, a little stronger. But he walked in that church and came down the middle aisle. I remember Brother Looper. He came to the front of the church and he bowed his knee in repentance. And from that day until now, the man's never left the house of God. You know why? Because once you've tasted of this first love, once you've tasted of the goodness of God, once you've tasted of this heavenly gift, you can try a lot of things, but there'll never be anything that'll satisfy you like the presence of the Lord. There'll never be anything, oh God, there'll never be anything that will fulfill you like the presence of the Lord. Never. I remember being so nervous. Man, I was so nervous. Brother Mike Cook came to me and he said, I want you to have a sermon Tuesday night, youth service. Tuesday night youth service. I'm not a preacher. I'd never called myself a preacher. He said, I want you to bring a word Tuesday night. What do you think our kids would do if we went back to having church about every night of the week? We had church on Sunday, took Monday night off, 
We had youth service on Tuesday night. We had church on Wednesday night. We had prayer meeting on Thursday night. We had youth rallies on Friday night. Come on, somebody. We had cleaning day on Saturday, and everybody came. Everybody brought their kids. We were building a gym. Got a text this week from Brother Nathan Cannon. He had tuned in this week and had watched me preach somewhere, and he said, He said, I've known you since the days of you can't squeeze blood from a turnip. That was that Tuesday night that I picked up my Bible. And Sarah, I walked up to that old blue podium that we used to have in the basement. And I read the book of Genesis with Cain and Abel. And I was trying as a kid to figure out how all this means something to God. But I knew there was some sacrifices he accepted and some that he didn't. I was 10 years old telling our young people, whatever you do, bring a sacrifice that God will receive. Bring something that means something to you and it means something to God. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know how many thousands or hundreds or whatever sermons I've preached. I've preached a bunch. I've preached a bunch this week. But I asked the Lord this week, I said, would you take me back? Take me back to that place where I'm scared to death. And I'm taking my little old First Pentecostal Church notebook that I got off my granddad's desk. First Pentecostal Church reaching for Anderson with what Anderson should be reaching for. I wrote my little notes on there. I brought one to him one day, and I said, Papa, I got a word from the Lord. He said, what is it? I said, God is not a light switch. He said, what's that mean? I said, Papa, people like to turn him on when they want him. But when they got all the light they need, they just reach up and shut him off like they didn't ever need him. He said, that's a pretty good word, son. I had it on that little notepad. I'm going to tell you tonight, I don't care what conferences I've ever preached. I've never preached anything better than that. You hear what I'm telling There's nothing better than that. You know why? Because at 42 years old, been full-time with this church 24 years last month, been your pastor for 12 years, I still need him more today than I've ever needed him in my life. I need him. I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of his presence. I can't get enough of his power. I can't get enough of his glory. Oh, God, take us back to our first love where you were all we wanted. Take us back to that place, Father, where we walked into a prayer room and all we wanted was you. All we wanted was you. Would you just lift your hands right now? Come on, I'm in no hurry tonight. Just reach your hands. Stretch your hands tonight. Come on, church. If you want him to take you back tonight, would you just cry out to the Lord for a minute? Would you do that? Oh, God. Oh, God. 
Jesus, we need you. Come on. Somebody cry out to him tonight. Oh, God. God, we're hungry. We're hungry. Woo! Come on, just for a couple more minutes tonight. I'm not in a hurry. If I never get where I'm going tonight, that's all right with me. I think the presence of the Lord is in this room right now. Every eye closed in the house right now. Let's just love the Lord together. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Shataya la bokoyande la mahaya. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. God, you've brought us from a mighty long way. You've brought us from a mighty long way. Hallelujah. I want you to remember what it felt like when he pulled you out of the miry clay. I want you to remember tonight what it felt like when you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. All your sins were washed away in the precious crimson stain. Blood of Jesus. Woo! Does anybody remember tonight? He said, I've seen, I've seen how you love truth, you've labored, you've worked. He said, you found the false prophets and the people that called themselves apostles. And you exposed them. You've been caught up in church work. You've labored hard. He said, but I've got all against you. Because you have forsaken your first love. I've come on this Wednesday night on a special kind of assignment. On this Valentine's Day, love is on everybody's mind. But I want to tell you that it is so easy. In a world that everything is vying for your attention. It's a love for everything. It's a word that we use. I love my job. I love my family. I love my school. I love my house. 
ooh, I love my car. I thank the Lord for it. But I just wonder sometimes in all the things that we love. Oh, yes, I love this truth. I've preached this truth all over the world. I've stood toe-to-toe with false prophets, and I've proclaimed the Word of God. I've stood toe-to-toe with, with people preaching false doctrine, and I've declared it right, literally right in front of their faces. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You can't change that. You can't fix it. That's who He is. But I'm going to tell you right now, thank God for folks that love truth. Thank God for folks that will still expose false doctrine. Thank God for it. But I want to tell you tonight, God's not nearly as impressed with how much error we can point out in somebody else's doctrine if we can't even remember what it feels like to get alone with him by ourselves, on our faces, nobody else around. Can I help somebody in this place tonight to realize and understand that there will never be anything more valuable in the kingdom of God than your first love? Then that time that you spend with him. I don't care how many Bible studies you teach and to how many thousands you reach. The apostle Paul said it scares me to death that I could have preached to others, yet I myself become a castaway. How do you become a castaway preaching to others? You forsake your first love. How do you do it? You get so wrapped up, so tied up, so tangled up in all the cares of life that your first love is neglected. The Holy Ghost sent me here on a Wednesday night to remind somebody he still wants to be with you. He still wants time with you. He still wants to hear your voice. You can go to the bookstore tonight, find a thousand books that talk about Jesus. But you'd be hard-pressed to find a thousand people that could tell you who he is. Because there's something about him that's revealed in his nature that you don't just see in powerful church services. And I've, man, I've been there. I've been in some of the most powerful services you could imagine. God, I've been in church where we've laid in the floor. We've wept, cried. Just last night, it was almost 10 o'clock. I was sitting in the, in the office. And through the wall of the office, I could hear, Oh! Weeping, crying, wailing. And I said, that's something God understands right there. I'm not trying to make fun tonight, and I don't want to oversimplify this thing. But Brother Snow, I miss those times as a little kid where I didn't say a thing. I just cried my little old mouth. I called my dad today. I said, where are you at? He said, I'm headed to Sulphur to have lunch. I said, Sulphur, Louisiana? He said, yeah. He called me back later. He said, I had lunch with Brother Upton today. I said, I love you, Dad. Glad you had lunch. Glad it was good. Hung up the phone. And Mother, I immediately went to an old green carpet sanctuary. For them precious women, I, I, please understand, I'm not making light 
when I say this, but I could tell you to this day what some of those women said in their tongue when they prayed in that church. There was a certain tone in that sulfur church, in Brother Upton's church. Those women would moan and groan. Old Brother Upton, he'd lift his voice. Oh, it was as deep as anything you've ever heard in your life. I remember they moved in their new sanctuary, and I wondered if it'd feel the same as that old green building. One Sunday morning, we had been there for power conference. My dad got to praying over on the right side of the sanctuary. Never seen him do it like that in my life, Brother Shaw. My dad got so slain in the Holy Ghost that he couldn't pick his head up off the floor. My daddy laid in the floor and cried. He wept. I didn't hear him say one thing about God, give us another revival. Let us go to one more church. Let me win one more soul. But I watched him lay and he tried to pick his head up and he couldn't even pick his head up. He'd lay it back down. He'd just groan. Oh. Sometimes I watch this on Thursday nights at prayer meeting. And I'm not making fun of you. Sometimes it looks more like a YMCA walking track in here than it does a prayer meeting. We can't do it without iPods. We can't do it without CDs. We've got to have it just right. But oh, when you get hungry enough for that first love, you don't care if the sound system breaks down. You don't care if you lose your headphones, and you don't care who else shows up. I'm going to tell you what God's doing in this church right now. God's bringing some of us back to that first love. God's bringing some of us back to that place where we're so hungry. Oh, God, we are so hungry that we're, we're, not, we're not here after the lights are turned on. We're, not, we're sitting out in the parking lot waiting on somebody to get here for prayer meeting on Thursday. God, I can't wait. I can't wait till you get the doors open. I can't wait till they open up the doors because I'm ready for prayer meeting tonight. And you sit out in the parking lot and you weep and you pray and you cry. What would happen in this church? What would happen in this house if on Wednesday night before church started, before the doors were ever unlocked, if there were people so hungry Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, before the doors were unlocked, you'd sit out in your car. Nobody else out there. But God, we are so hungry for you. I remember the days when I came home in January of 2000. We had us a little room downstairs that I turned into the youth prayer room. I had spent three months youth pastoring in Mississippi, and I didn't know what I was doing there, and I didn't know what I was doing when I came home. I've been doing this 24 years now. I still don't have a clue what I'm doing. But we got this little room downstairs. Liz, you were probably just old enough to remember when I came home. We all started praying downstairs. My God, them young people got to pray. And we'd have Sunday nights that the young people, literally, I'm having to get them out. Hey, we got to go. We got to get upstairs. Come on, kids. We got to go. We got musicians in here that's got to play. Come on, we got to go. And they'd start grabbing one another. I remember walking up the old stairs, coming upstairs, and kids were literally drunk in the Holy Ghost. 
trying to get up them stairs. They'd walk up the second flight of stairs, open the doors, and walk into the sanctuary, and they couldn't hold it anymore. When they walked into the sanctuary, they just opened up their mouth, began to speak in other tongues, and kept on praying the Holy Ghost. And my mother turned off the organ, came down off the platform. We never made it to the, to the instruments. We never made it up there. And the Holy Ghost broke out. We had church for two or three hours, never sang a song. You know what that is? That's a reminder of our first love. I thank God for our music. I thank God for our choir. But God, I want to go back to the place where there's not a choir of people. There's not a thousand people around us. It's just a hungry people. That whatever you want to do, we want you to do it. We'll get out of your way, God. We want you to move. We want you to work. We've got to have your presence. I'm not trying to add to or take away from the scripture tonight, but I think if there's a a bright, shining, gleaming light that shines off the pages of chapter 2 of Revelation, this is what he's saying. I don't care how good your church gets. I don't care how big your choir gets. I don't care how good your musicians are. Don't you leave your first love. Don't you leave that prayer closet. I got to reading today in the Song of Solomon. I got to reading in the Song of Solomon today. She started talking about her lover. Got to talking about the beauty and the splendor of all that Solomon had done. What fine, beautiful, marble, exquisite, just unbelievable, all of the grandeur, all of the servants, all of the majesty. You wouldn't believe how beautiful his gardens are. You just wouldn't believe how beautiful describing it all. But then she starts talking about this story. And for the first time in the garden together, said he came to me. He put his head under my hand, his hand underneath my head. And with his other, he held me close. There was no beautiful exquisite edifice there was no majesty in gardens it was just him and her nobody else around wasn't a single soul in wasn't another servant in there she said it was just me and it was him i got to reading in the second chapter she was talking And she said, my lover came, and she said he would show his face behind the lattice. I don't know how many of you are familiar with what I'm talking about when I talk about lattice, but it's like whatever's on the other side of the lattice, you can catch a glimpse of it. And she said, I'd see his eyes on the other side of the lattice. Translation of that is is literally the gate. She said, He came and stood at the latticed gate. She said, I watched out my window and I'd catch glimpses of his face. And she said, He peeked out around the gate. 
I just got to go. He said, winter's over. Come on down and let me see your countenance. He said, I want you to come down out of that window. And I want you to meet me in a place where I can behold you for who you are. I've been looking at you through this latticed gate. And you've caught glimpses of who I am. He said, but I want you to come down out of that high and lofty place. Don't worry, winter's over. That season in your life is over. He said, I want you to come down here. Because I want us to be able to see each other face to face. Some of us have been so busy and fearful in the season that we're in that we've caught glimpses of who he is through the lattice. I hear his voice tonight on this Wednesday night. Come on. I'm ready to come out from this obscure place where you've caught glimpses from time to time. And I want to bring you to a place where it's just me and you. Face to face. I can behold your countenance. Church family tonight... There is such a hunger in my heart. Oh. I hear the voice. The voice of the one I love. He's calling my name. <laughs> He's saying, come on. Come just a little bit closer. Because me and you, we've been distanced long enough. I'm not here to take you and show you a palace. I just want to carry you away to a vineyard where it's just me and you. I'm here tonight on Wednesday night with one request for the Lord. Take me back. Take me back. Take me back to the place where I fell in love. Take me back to the place that nothing else mattered. God, we're not here tonight asking for anointing. We're not here tonight asking for unction. We're not here tonight asking for anything. We just want you. Take us back. God, we're not asking for a full band to strike up the tune tonight. We're not asking for a majestic choir to sing with flawless harmonies. We're asking you to take us to that garden. Where we can behold you face to face. We used to sing it when I was a kid. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses. And the songs I hear. Falling on my ears. The Son of God discloses, I love this, and He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own. And the joy we share 
As we tarry there, none other has ever known. Did you just reach your hearts and your hands towards him right now? Take us to that place tonight, Father. Take us to that place tonight. God, I thank you for the beauty of this house. I thank you for the mighty things I've seen you do. But I'm asking you tonight, Jesus, take me back. Lord, take me back to the place. I know I've shared a lot of personal stories tonight, but I'm asking some of you to reflect in your heart right now. What it felt like the first time he took you to that garden. Filled you with his spirit. First time in your life you knew what it felt like to be loved. First time in your life you knew what it felt like to be free. First time in your life you remember not being bound by anything but by his love. Take me back.